Hey guys, we have an incredible podcast coming your way. We're going to teach you exactly how to look great, feel strong at your ideal body weight. How? By teaching you about the latest innovations and the discoveries about hormones, the herbs, the natural approaches that will help you to optimize your stem cells, your mitochondria. Please stay tuned. This is a show you must listen to. Well, first of all, I think uh, you hit on most important thing when it comes to diet, and it's the word that you didn't use, but I will, and it's called moderation. Um, anything in any excess always has its consequences. And so, as I've always said too, uh, the paleo diet and any of the uh, high protein diets will eventually have their consequences. Dr. Nick Delgado here with Dr. Mitch Ginn. Dr. Ginn, we're covering the three critical steps to enhance naturally the immune system. Dr. Ginn, you have one of the most impressive resumes I've ever reviewed. You were one of the early pioneers in stem cell work. You do IV therapy. You're one of the world experts in so many different subjects. I think you're probably board certified in more uh, languages and uh, titles than uh, than people can even think of. I mean, it's, it's just amazing. So, Dr. Ginn, we met probably at the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine, both of which we have been speakers at literally around the world, and now you're doing virtual streams as well. And I, I did want to mention, I'm so excited to share with you my new book, Blood Doesn't Lie. And uh, please tell me, what is it about blood? And I know you're familiar with microscopy as well. What is it about blood that tells us a story about the immune system that everyone should know and we should shout from the rooftops? Tell me about that, Dr. Dan. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you so much for calling me a dinosaur to start off the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, your birthday was two weeks ago. We won't exactly say, but I think you're about 20 years, 30 years younger than your birthday. What's up? I at least feel that way. Let's put it that way. But you know what? I always said I'm going to be a do-as-I-do doctor, uh, not just a do-as-I-say. So it seems to, thank God, have paid off. You know, I have a, a much younger wife than I do. I have eight kids. I've got eight grandchildren. Proud of that. And, and I still feel great like I did when I was younger and still can go out and play tennis for two hours. So thank God I'm still moving and doing what hey, I said. Eight, eight kids that you adopted or sired? No, no, I actually, well, uh, I sired uh, three of them and five are through adoption. So I've got all oh. of them. <laughs> Yeah, I, I have five children and two grandchildren, uh, all of which I sired. <laughs> Not oh, the but, grandchildren, of course. Yeah. But. No, you know, I, but you know, remember, I've done this through four wives. So when they look me up in. Hey, uh, yeah, you they, and I match. I have four, too. Oh, you do? Okay, well, there you go. Between us, we have eight wives, like 37 children. We sound like a, a kingdom for crying out loud. But anyway, I didn't answer your question. I guess I should do it. What is it about the blood? Well, first, you have to understand what is blood. I mean, blood's uh, liquid uh, material, uh, tissue that's in our body that, of course, is red because of the hemoglobin that it has. And it is the way we carry things from one part of the body to the other, things like oxygen, like nutrients. It is also the material that takes away the waste material as well. So when you say uh, the blood doesn't lie, I haven't read your book yet. I'm certainly to get a, a copy free. Sure, okay. by yeah. I'm sure. Uh, but the point is, is that blood is really peers into pretty much how we're doing. I, I always said that as a physician, 
if you were really only had maybe a one blood test that you could do, and that was it. You know, we have thousands of them. The one blood test that I would always recommend would be the CBC, which means complete uh, blood count. It looks at the white blood cells, which is your immune system as an overall look. It has the red blood cells. It's got the platelets, the things that stick together, basically everything that's produced in the bone marrow. And from that, and perhaps a urinalysis, we could tell so much about the body, um, more so than any other test that we have. Now, yes, we have thousands of tests. I don't want to get rid of them. But if I was on an island, you said, Mitch, you're going to get one test, it would be the CBC because the blood's carrying your nutrients. Your blood carries the fats. Your blood carries you know, cancer cells if you want to look at the negative compartment of this. So it is a very important thing to know what's happening in the blood. No question, you, you know, that is our first uh, thing. Well, that being said, I have a famous video. <laughs> I, I just want to tell you, I don't know if you saw it go by there, but you know, I, did. <laughs> I, I, I shouldn't probably say anything about it, but it's kind of nice. I've never done a program with you where, you know, some <laughs> woman <laughs> I half nude. I, I think that's kind of neat to have in a program. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go take a cold shower. I'll be back in a few minutes. <laughs> I, love I love you. Mitch, you and I have such a colorful life. Uh, you know, uh, well, we have fun. We do have fun. You know, what can I tell you? Oh, God. So, see, I tripped you up so much that you can't even think, you can't even ask me the next question. But give it a check. Give it a shot, Doc. Let's go for it. Go. Delgado. Yeah, I'm I have a very important. I, I wanted to screen share with you something here coming up. Uh, give me a moment. It helps. Uh, here. Incredible. Oh, here. It with fat in the cheese. Here, here, here we go. So, time, me, except for the case of this okay, experiment. Let's let me go screen on. share this, see if I can get. Um, Right, okay. fat. Look at the thickness of the fat. Uh, you know, to go from completely clean, where you couldn't even find a, a, a particle, to massive amounts of particles of fat. So keep in mind that triglycerides and free fatty acids and total lipids desensitize insulin and glucose will continue to go up. Within a couple more hours, I'll be diabetic. So after a total of six hours, I was able to push my triglyceride to 214 and it's continued to increase. My cholesterol increased to 196 and that's mainly because the non, the VLDL, the blood sugar 131, that's diabetic. Now people say, well, you don't test after eating, but you can and that's the best time to test. For another couple hours, it'll reach a peak and then it'll gradually start coming down. Now, if you saw in the background, the TV, it was showing droplets of fat on the big, big TV screen from a microscope magnified 6,000 times. And, but you could also see the blood cells sticking to each other because of all the grease. Prior to that, you couldn't find the little spots of triglycerides and the blood cells even trying to stick together. They separated perfectly. So notice in summary, uh, after two hours of consuming olive oil, extra virgin olive oil, my triglycerides, which were under 45, climbed up to over 78 within only two hours. But then after eating, adding the pizza and the cheese sandwich, the levels climbed and climbed. And you can see by the, um, I even measured them the next morning and it took a full 
uh, eight hours uh, that night, uh, 12 hours it remained elevated till the fat started to clear from my otherwise normally healthy blood. Let's take Consuming a even healthy fats like olive oil still elevates total lipids and desensitizes insulin, causing blood sugar to rise, proven by the Colstec laboratory device. Fat is mechanically sticky and it coats the cells, causing them to clump together as seen on the high-powered microscope. Capillaries are smaller than individual red blood cells. When your red blood cells stick together, the capillaries become blocked, reducing the body's total circulation by over 20% for up to 12 hours. That's absolutely critical. I hope you all got that. We literally, under a high-powered microscope, could see all the blood cells that were healthy separated, but after consuming the extra virgin olive oil, consuming the added fat from the, from the cheese pizza and the meat, all that fat rolled in my bloodstream, and you can see each hour we are measuring the cholestec levels, but more importantly, you can actually see the capillary beds at the highest level uh, that the normally the red cells squeeze through one by one, but they're all clumped together, reducing the blood circulation by as much as 20 or 30%. So the combination of a disastrously high keto fat diet is toxic unless when you're fasting for your blood test, but check your blood when you're eating. If it's small portions, it may not to push the levels up that high, but if you're on a high-fat keto diet, this is what's going to happen. It's going to worsen your blood levels. You may lose weight if you restrict an entire category of foods like sugar and carbohydrates because you may be taking in less calories, but your fat cells will actually gain in fat concentration based on uh, tracer uh, studies. Years of repetitive fatty meals causes a lack of oxygen at the cellular level, increasing the risk of certain forms of cancer, arthritis, and hypertension. Despite what the American Heart Association cookbook will tell you, when you consume oils which are high concentrations of fat exceeding 15% of total calories, you're eating your way into the grave. It is healthy to consume whole olives, nuts, seeds, avocados, and coconuts in small amounts as nature intended, as proven by the longest-lived cultures. When you eat, do it to sustain your life rather than end your life. As you can see, yeah, he mentioned so, that he went to, to Italy. Okay, so I, I think I stopped screen share, right? You um, did. Okay, so what I purport is it's not the trans fat, the polyunsaturated fat, the uh, monounsaturated or saturated fat, excuse me. It's the nature of the mechanical effect of oils which by their nature are greasy imagine if you put some sugar on your hand or salt and you turn it upside down it would fall out but if you had a, a little drop of oil there and you put uh sugar like you do on a donut or salt like you do on a pretzel you turn your hand upside or you take the pretzel or the donut it, do it doesn't drop right because that oil is sticky so imagine if you took olive oil poured it in your hand and rubbed it all over your face well it sticks and so the red blood cells at uh, nine microns in diameter, right? The capillaries are about seven microns in diameter, smaller. So red blood cells, by their nature, bend backwards. Imagine a pancake literally folding backwards to squeeze through and exchange oxygen, nutrients, and carbon dioxide, right? That's the mechanism. But if the oil is coating millions of red blood cells after you've consumed an Indian dinner, which is, let's say, vegan, traditionally thought of turmeric and healthy, right? But sopping in oil, all that oil first dumps through the digestive tract, through the lymphatic system, gumming up the entire immune system for hours. Also, it desensitizes the insulin, which has been documented uh, by Dr. Farbs, who 
did an, a glucose IV, which we always do in hospitals, right? And glucose IVs are safe. But when you do an oil IV, within hours, two hours, in fact, you can induce 100% of the incidence of glucose elevated above 130, a diabetic condition, in 100% of the people. So there's something about oil that desensitizes insulin, meaning insulin's chief function as a hormone is to push glucose into the cells. And the reason people have diabetes is not too much sugar although too much sugar can convert into triglycerides over time, it's the oil with sugar. So we say no soap, no sugar, no oil, no animal product, which I know is a very aggressive position. And I'm gonna ask you about this because I've been doing it for 44 years. It doesn't necessarily mean it's right, but I look at Okinawa and they are on the longest lived blue zones. They do use some oil in some of those countries, but it's not a large amount of oil. We don't see the, in India the blue zones. The blue zones are certain pockets where they don't traditionally use massive amounts of oils. They, they eat fresh fruits and vegetables, beans, peas, a lot of beans in long-lived people. So I've posed a lot of things here, but my position is a teaspoon of olive oil, sure, no problem. If you're using olive oil as a delivery system, liposome, no problem in a capsule, right? If, if it's in, in a, a marine algae, uh, fine. It's a little bit of oil, right? Uh, because the essential fatty acids come uh, from algae, not, not from fish. But if you're using oil on your salads, in, in, in your soups, in all of your recipes, thinking that's healthy for you, my position is you're increasing the rate of, of uh, blood sugar levels, triglycerides, free fatty acids. You're increasing the risk of breast cancer. Ernest Winder said that a high-fat diet was what, one of the number one reasons they have high prolactin levels. Women with breast cancer have high prolactin. When you reduce the fat, when they did this at a study at the Pritikin Longevity Center where I worked at with Nathan Pritikin, the prolactin levels dropped dramatically. And within 30 days, he said, these people now have a much lower risk of breast cancer. And of course, Nuts, seeds, avocados, olives have fiber, and fiber, as you and I know, is protective for the gut, for reducing toxins and chemicals. So there's a lot of reasons to go to an oil-free, sugar-free, and even an animal-free diet as much as possible. And if you did have an animal product, maybe a little fish, that's a lot I've just thrown out there. But I know you have some beliefs about diet as well. So let, let's, let's entertain this. Let's open it up for debate. I just showed microscope proof that I could document and put 100 people do the exact same experiment. And any scientific theory, if it can be duplicated, means it's potentially a, a scientific uh, law, potentially, right? So let, let's, let's backtrack and unwind that. All right, my turn. Well, first of all, I think uh, you hit on most important thing when it comes to diet and it's the word that you didn't use, but I will, and it's called moderation. Um, anything in any excess always has its consequences. And so, as I've always said too, uh, the paleo diet and any of the high protein diets will eventually have their consequences. And if you'll remind me in a second, I will talk about high protein diet and its consequences. And they have found pretty much most diets that are as close to the Mediterranean seem to be the best. I agree with you that in diabetic or pre-diabetic conditions, it's not just the carbohydrate load, it is the oil load itself. Um, I'd like to take what you said to another uh, level, uh, Nick, which I look for all the time with patients. And it's not just the uh, cholesterol, the total cholesterol triglycerides or the ratios that they try to promulgate. I think what we need to look at very seriously is, are these oils becoming rancid? Now, we all know oil is 
fine. I mean, oils are protected. God puts them in a in a cap. It, it's in a, a seed. It's closed up uh, in an olive. It's in an olive. Um, what happens is step one is the manufacturing process already leads to problems. So when they take olive oil and press it and they put it in big bottles, even if there's, uh, as you always can see in any oil, um, you can see that there's a, a level uh, where the oil stops and there's nothing there, but there's oxygen there. So if that already is creating and having these oils go rancid, number one. When you open a bottle, pretty much within three days, regardless of what kind of oil, organic or not, what will happen is, these oils are also rancid, and so we can't taste it. I don't think the human has the great a capability of tasting rancidity, and so we start to have this. So the best thing, of course, to um, fix that is, of course, to use organic oils, small quantities, keep them in the refrigerator, even though they may solidify, take them out, rough, put your hand around them, or run them over under warm water, and you'll find that they'll become liquefied again, and, and then you can use them freely, but at least you're trying to slow down the rancidity. The other thing, of course, is you can open up uh, organic vitamin E and put uh, one or a couple hundred units for each pint that you have, which will also give it a little bit more stability. But pretty much oils, if you look back thousands of years ago, they would not make uh, big canisters of olive oil. They took enough and pressed for dinner, made their cakes and things, made their dinner, and that was that. So what again, does genetics get influenced within a couple hundred years or isn't it truly thousands of years? But I've seen examples of moths where, you know, you, you see the classic experiment in England where there's a, a, a black moth and a white moth. And, and because of soot, you know, as, as uh, pollution occurred, the black moth due to genetic selection survived and the white moth started to disappear because the, the pests or the, the, uh, um, the carnivores could attack, you know, the white moth and see it on, on a black background. So genetics happens, epigenetics happens fairly quickly. Is that what you're implying? That olive oil is a I new lost your, I lost your audio. There you go. I got your audio back. Go ahead. Okay. But that, that, that epigenetics has it that you can alter gene selection within, within the, a human's lifetime, but most genetics takes selective time. And olive oil itself was a cold-pressed process that only uh, became possible only a few hundred years ago, to my understanding. So primitive, our primitive relatives ate nuts, seeds, avocados, olives, coconut. Every study about the benefits of coconut oil is always really, truly based on islanders eating whole coconut not coconut oil so let's again let's let's I, I wanted to pause on that moment because uh, how far back were they able to extract oil and if so I have teased out studies where the Mediterranean when you leave out the oil and the wine which of course the, the the Italians are great marketers the mafia they're good marketers right oh did I say mafia sorry but the, the, these individuals are pushing olive oil and wine for their longevity I don't believe that's the case when you tease out those people in that culture that don't drink wine and they eat whole grapes don't use olive oil they use the whole olives those people live longer yeah I I, I agree uh, but we they've had by the way presses back in biblical time they they pressed the oil and a little bit, a, a little, we should have a little bit of oil, you're right. And again, I think the Mediterranean concept 
is correct if it is in moderation. It, it works just because it's a moderate diet as opposed to something so far, here's a, here's a high protein, very low carbohydrate, or here's a high fat. It tends to stay in the middle of the road. But to what you asked before, and, I'll, and then I'll continue on the, on the subject. Oh, uh, oh, oh. And one last point on that last point. Dr. Press showed you could rub olive oil on your skin and absorb 0.01% oil, and that was enough to relieve any essential fatty acid omega deficiency. So it's interesting that I prefer to rub oil on my skin like Bernardo Lapello. He rubs it on his skin. He's now since passed on, but at the age of 114. So yeah. and I, I, I just don't want the mechanical happening with the oil going in through my gut and then pouring through the lymphatics and then through the bloodstream, anything more than a few tablespoons yeah, is, to me, problematic. See, my wife and I like to rub our oil on us too, but that's for a different reason, Nick. But <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Coconut oil is good for um, intimacy too, right? Coconut oil? It's a great lubricant, of course. It's a great, it's a, it's a great, a great personal lubricant for sure. So uh, better than the, the KY jelly with the chemicals in it? Uh, KY is a petroleum um, uh, distillate. Right. I don't know. That's not the best thing. To do. But anyway, you can use coconut. And also coconut, to me, tastes good. Uh, you can yep. take your imagination where you choose. But let's go back to the subject before. It went right to where I like. <laughs> It'll become X-rated. You and I could do that in 10 seconds. Um, but to go back to this this whole question, with you, there was one quite thing you threw out I want to just uh, remark about. Uh, genetic changes... Um, typically take, uh, you know, you know, long, long time for them to occur, many, uh, many, many uh, years, and sometimes hundreds, if not thousands of years uh, to occur. However, the epigenome, which is the environment in which these uh, genes live, they can change in one day, and therefore, uh, they can literally change the epigenome in, in one day. If you eat tons and tons of meat, you're gonna upregulate the, um, the microbes in your gut, to be meat digesters, you eat sugar like crazy, you upload that. So you can literally change in one day, I'm talking about in the negative as well as the positive, your, your findings and the epigenome can make things happen. Now it's the epigenome, of course, that will eventually affect the cells. We have about 72,000 insults to every cell per day. So let's go back to what I was saying about the fats that you introduced earlier, and that is um, it's the rancidity of these fats. Um, cholesterol in itself to me has never, ever been an issue as far as I was concerned. When I went to medical school, um, you know, it was if you were over 300. Uh, then it's about 10 years in the practice, it, it was over 150. Then 30, 20 years in the and practice, it was over 120. Uh, now with the advent of a, you know, blockbuster drugs, like the statins, et cetera, now it has to be less than 100. It's just making stuff up as we go along to fit into a narrative for to press a drug into the situation. That's not really fair because people forget cholesterol is an antioxidant. We require it. We have no switch for cholesterol. Um, if we look at the chemistries in the blood that you're talking about, you know, blood sugar has a, a switch to, if it's too high, too low, uh, blood sugar, um, uh, chloride will change in the blood where there's a switch. Sodium, which is the number one salt running around sodium chloride in the blood, it will change because we have a switch if it's too high or too low to try to fix it. But you know what? There is no switch for cholesterol and God didn't make a mistake. 
it's because cholesterol is necessary. As we get older, we require a little bit more. And I can tell you, if you look very carefully at cancer patients, um, uh, which I have the privilege of tr uh, treating many, many of them, uh, you'll find I watch carefully two things, the albumin, which is the number one protein, but I also watch cholesterol. When cholesterol is dropping, uh, that patient is in trouble. So we do need the cholesterol. As you know, it's the precursor to hormones. But you want to keep that cholesterol from being oxidized. So the blood tests we often do, going back to the blood, the tests that we do are to find out whether or not these fats have become oxidized. Are they creating the problem that you're talking about, which is very possible, especially especially when you're um, eating a lot of fats uh, as you do. I mean, I think you bring up a good point. You, you demonstrate clearly um, that you can get uh, this, uh, you know, this, um, uh, this cohesiveness of the red blood cells after eating a lot of fat. There's no question that there's an area of medicine that um, people don't talk about enough, and it, there's a reason for it, which we can get into if you ask me, but it's, there's something called the microcirculation. The, the body basically, you know, goes, everyone knows arteries, they know veins. Then the next step from that goes from the arteries to arterioles, smaller than ven venous to venules, and then eventually the capillaries which are responsible for everything we were talking about, dropping off oxygen in the tissues, taking it away. And they're kind of neat because they're in networks that are repetitive in our body, almost like what we call fractal geometry networks. They, 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 they repeat. But pretty much every disease from cancer, diabetes, obesity, all of them have this microcirculation that's damaged. And your fat theory, which you're showing well, basically is going to create even more of that. It's extremely, extremely common. And once you have microcirculation embarrassment, people think, oh, if my, my coronary artery gets clogged, uh, we can, they can do a stent, they can do a bypass, they can do a, a, a opening balloon angioplasty. The problem is, it's not that. We have, if you put all these vessels end to end, we have more than 74,000 miles of vessels that surround the earth three times in one minute when I give an IV. I know I'm going uh, that quickly, one minute, about 74,000 miles if things are open. Um, so we need to make sure that that microcirculation at all times stays healthy and we need to deliver that information. Now, what I started to say is there is nothing in the conventional system, when I say conventional, I mean conventional medicine, cardiology, that can basically attenuate the problems of the microcirculation. We don't have any drug, we don't have any surgery, no stent as we said, because it's the size of a hair. So we have to do this from a metabolic perspective. And the first one would be what you were showing earlier would be to start reducing the carbohydrate and fat intake in individuals. That's a good the place. Simple carbohydrate, the simple yeah. carbohydrate and, and the separated oil. The fat itself, in my experience, eating whole nuts, seeds, avocados, olives, so long as you're not using huge amounts of avocados, because they're they're a little bit more free, uh, you know, available. But but in my experience too, and I wanted to backtrack because Dr. Jonathan Wright once stated that instead of the statins, you and I agree. And I, I interviewed Dr. David Steenblock, who also is a big fan of yours and does stem cells, and he wanted me to pose a question to you. I'll, I'll try and remember that question regarding uh, the ALS and MS and the, uh, the the issues with stem cells and, and maybe loading with bone marrow derived stem cell first, then following with cord blood so that they bypass the normal 
accumulative area in the lungs, and then they get, uh, when you do inject the stem cells, it's going to go more to the affected area, particularly the neurology that you're trying to improve. He, he believes that one, two-step, all-in-one uh, day procedure uh, where you're extracting the bone marrow from the patient uh, and you're not expanding them, but you're reinserting them. And then you do the cord blood right after, literally right after. He's seen remarkable results with something that's normally considered incurable, ALS, MS, Parkinson's. Um, I don't know if you have experience with that one-two procedure. Uh, and I know we have restrictions in Florida and California and, and uh, you know, maybe you have to go offshore. <laughs> you and I know a lot about that. But uh, you being one of the early pioneers, I, I did create a product called Stem Cell Enhance, and it has medicinal mushrooms, it has activated barley, it's got, uh, oh my gosh, uh, all these things that we believe your own bone marrow may be stimulated to produce more of stem cells. So kind of that one-two lifestyle medicine, hyperbaric oxygen, I like uh, altitude conditioning, CVAC. Um, what is it about stem cells and the immune system that we should tell the public that this is advanced medicine we can do now along with your IV treatments? Well, um, first of all, many people by now probably know what a stem cell is. I mean, you know, I pioneered a lot of this many, many years ago. Um, the stem cell basically is a one of the hardiest cells that we have. I literally, with my team outside the country, we've taken you know, stem cells, you could put them in a Petri dish and come back 10 days later, they're not dead. You take red blood cells, put them on a table, they'll be dried up, they'll die right away. White blood cells, platelets, they die right away. The stem cell, which is, you know, a- Immortal, right? It's considered pretty, immortal. Pretty much an immortal cell. And that's why when cancer- like sperm cells, testes. Yeah, it's why also when cancer makes its own stem cell, it can keep repeating itself. And unfortunately, which is a, probably a topic for another time, the the uh, uh, the chemotherapy and the surgeries and so forth. In the radiation. The tumor, they, but not the stem cells. Right. If you don't take out the stem cells simultaneously or work in conjunction with those therapies, unfortunately, um, that stem cell will wreak havoc and they're a much slower uh, growing cell. They're pretty much in a sleeping phase and, and chemo pretty much doesn't need. So you need to use you know, other things, natural repurposed drugs, which is a talk again, some some other time that we can talk But also about. there's some evidence by Michael Greger, uh, author of How Not to Die. He states that cruciferous vegetable, sprouted cruciferous vegetables tend to have a natural chemotherapy effect. We use that in a, a product DHT, hair, skin, and nail in our doc nutrient line. So do you think there's probable possibility that some phytochemicals in nat in nature could actually target harmful, literally immortal stem cell cancer and maybe help in the battle against cancer? Oh, I, I don't I don't have a qualm in the world that that's true. There is tons of things uh, that we have that no question uh, will help to battle the stem cells and probably should be eating them all along. You know, your story, for example, is they've clearly showed that the sulforaphans, uh, which is these uh, sprouted cruciferous vegetables, um, you know, like 60 milligrams a couple times a day is extremely effective, not only in prevention, but as one of the treatments, along with, you know, the other things that are in nature, like trans resveratrol, and it goes on and on. Um, so there is no question that having these items uh, uh, in your sort of toolbox, your armamentarian, either as myself as a, as a treating physician or 
as someone you know who just wants to stay healthy, it would make sense to be eating them every day as well. And these have their own little uh, quantities of sterols and fats that are perfectly good for our system. And so uh, obviously they're, they should be part of your regular diet. Absolutely. And, and that being said, uh, Dr. Gann, when we're looking at the probability that introducing stem cells, uh, I know there's a doctor in Panama area who claims that he did stem cell uh, treatments with cord blood and he did not see an increased incidence of cancer. In fact, he even had patients do releases uh, that they knew they had a either a history or a diagnosis of cancer, and it did not contribute to the growth. In fact, he believed it stimulated the immune system, the body's own natural, stronger, healthier immune system. And as you and I know, when we're born, we have billions of stem cells that can protect us. We heal quickly as a child. Uh, but as an adult, uh, by the age of 65 plus, as I'm 66, you're above north of that a little bit maybe, or maybe less. Uh, the reality is those stem cells uh, are, are produced the level of less than 30,000, then as little as 30 stem cells or 300, and then we can't uh, repair our bodies anymore. So we need to find a way of external stimulation, A, herbs, uh, particularly mush medicinal mushrooms, which I think there's evidence that our body's bone marrow produces more stem cells, but also where it's applicable therapeutically, injecting stem cells into the body uh, through the general uh, umbilical area, just subcutaneous, or even direct injection in the affected area. I've seen brain studies where they're injecting in India stem cells, uh, pretty amazing work going on out there. But what, what, what is your belief about stem cells in the regard of its cancer association? Is it something that's contraindication? We don't know yet, or there is some evidence that it might be promising to use uh, cord blood stem cells or even um, cellular compatible cell to cell uh, treatment like Dr. Mike Chen is doing in uh, Malaysia. So what's your belief about stem cells in cancer? Uh, my answer would be more like a red October answer, sometimes you need to just know when to twitch. Um, I think at certain times, you know, um, the thing is stem cells don't work because of the cell themselves. They actually produce growth factors. Uh, these growth factors or exosomes or whatever you want to call them uh, tend to do what the reparative work that it requires. I think pretty much uh, tissue is damaged, whether it's a heart attack or a stroke or a cancer, as your question uh, promotes. Um, the thing is, it's good to be able to repair it. Now, would I use it um, personally in an early stage of treating the cancer? Probably not, uh, because I would believe that, unfortunately, it may not, A, the body probably doesn't have the capability of utilizing properly, um, and I'm not sure whether it would give off factors like growth factors and things that may aid the cancer in its growth cycle. So I don't know what I probably, what I would, how I would consider doing it is to use those um, natural repurposed drugs, uh, the, the conventional uh, way of doing cancer. Once that is placed and pretty much in a uh, remission or you cannot find any more of the cancer tumor stem cells, it would be a perfect time for I think revitalization of the body to use stem cells at that point. That would Could be you know like what they do for leukemia where they knock out all the cancer cells uh, with traditional drug and then they uh, repopulate with stem cells. Isn't that how they treat leukemia? Yeah, they do in, in, and also multiple myeloma and other bone marrow tumors. Sometimes it works and sometimes it's short lived. Again, like you also know, you can't 
you have to first figure out where the issue is to begin with. Um, you know, cancer is a metabolic disorder as far as I'm concerned. Uh, there are, it overtakes or overruns metabolic processes that we have. And unless you correct them, even putting in new stem cells, it could corrupt them as well. So again, knowing when to twitch and when to do or when to place new cells would make would make a, a lot more sense to me uh, than doing it early on in in a treatment of someone who's in the acute phases of of a of, of, of a cancer um, challenge. That's just the way I would look at it at this point. Dr. Gann, is there probable evidence that using natural medicinal mushrooms like I'm showing on the screen, spirulina, cordyceps, mataki, lion's mane, all these different mushrooms. I know Dr. Joel Furman believes strongly in what he calls G-bomb. And of that acronym, M stands for mushrooms, which is one of his key ways along with, um, of course, uh, G for, for greens and uh, B for uh, berries and O for onions and leeks. Uh, M, again, I'm repeating is mushrooms. And uh, the last B uh, would be beans and, and actually uh, S for plural for seeds. So do you believe it's probable that supporting uh, either a protective factor or even in cancer patients, putting them on an advanced whole food plant-based mushroom rich, if you will, uh, diet uh, that has onions and leeks and cruciferous vegetable sprouts, which you mentioned earlier, uh, might have an effect. Would this be a smart thing also within the supplement arena? Well, in general, it would be a, a good uh, addition to supplement in arena. By the way, uh, you also could add into that uh, the blueberry in larger amounts. They found that if you even eat a uh, yeah, blueberry, of, by the way, is on the list here for stem cell enhancer in yeah. this product. Blueberry. Yeah, so I see it. That's why I mentioned it. Um, blueberries alone, a cup a day, will double the natural killer cell function from two to four billion in about 30 days. So wow, it's wow, a great, it's a great enhancer because I know we didn't get to the topic of the uh, pretty much of the the areas where we were going, but that's okay. This is no, great. this whole topic is about the immune system. So you say that yeah. it doubles, even in seniors, because seniors don't produce many yeah. stem cells. So there's now evidence that even people past the I, age of 65, I know Dipnai Maharaj believes that past the age of 65, our immune system declines by 6,000%. Oh, it does decline. It declines. as you're, oh, But again, it's a multifactorial thing, which we haven't got into. But I believe that the blueberries, regardless, are going to be helpful for helping the immune system. The key, the problem that we have is... Even if we flood the uh, system with all sorts of uh, stem cells, whatever way we do it, whether we shoot them in or we flood them, without signaling mechanisms, it doesn't mean the stem cells will do anything. For example, if you're in acute throes of a heart attack, uh, it takes about a billion stem cells or a brain infarct, a, a stroke, about a billion stem cells to be able to repair that. Now, we don't have a billion stem cells as we get older, hence the people have heart attack and they have issues afterwards. Um, so we don't have those ability, but we have a mechanism to call them. So for example, someone in the acute throes of a stroke, for example, and I've done this when I was out of the country, even with a hemorrhagic stroke, I flooded their body with, with stem cells and the stem cells have a mechanism in which they're called. Stem cells are called either by hypoxia, a lack of oxygen or inflammation, and one tends to go with the other. So if someone, for example, has a specific area or a specific problem 
the stem cells will go to that area, create growth factors, and try to create that scar and heal them. So if you had something like one of your products like that in your system at the time, and you had a little bit more, <coughs> excuse me, of the stem cells around than you would normally have, wouldn't that be a good leg up? And I would also suggest at that point within the first, I would say 48 hours, if even earlier, 24 hours of a stroke or, or a heart attack to flood the body with, um, with stem cells at that time would be a, I think a very um, cogent way of dealing with this and with any of these things and, and will help significantly. Remember, inflammation and hypoxia are the biggest signalers for the stem cells to begin with. If there is none, and then the stem cells that are being produced will just roam around or or they'll be uh, yeah, nicely excreted or taken out. So, hey, Dr. Again, uh, just to loop back to the beginning statement that I never completed the loop in psychology. I know you're a believer in NLP and uh, this type of work that I do to help guide people at the subconscious level, biology, belief, Bruce Lipton. And we really, to help people change, we have to get to their subconscious level, not just the conscious. And even ourselves, correct ourselves and stay in the conscious level. But I mentioned Jonathan Wright, who says instead of statins, we could novelly use berberin. I created a product called uh, insulin uh, heart stability that has berberin, bergamate, and lycopene. What do you know about the action of modulating cholesterol metabolism without suppressing and dangerously causing Alzheimer's or forgetfulness, which is statins are known to do? Uh, one of my colleagues, a doctor, took a Lipitor and unfortunately it caused a horrible autoimmune condition that he's been suffering for for the last 10 years now. But that being said, uh, this particular novel product, I don't know if you can see it, I don't know if I can enlarge it anymore, uh, but it, it has vitamin D, which we believe during COVID might play a role. Uh, zinc, we know, enhances the immune system. Of course, uh, some people are now believing you need vitamin K2 as well uh, to help the immune system, which is the topic of our show. But bergamante, lycopene, and uh, the use of berberin, independent studies showed it selectively lowered the bad LDL cholesterol to safe levels, restored good healthy HDL cholesterol, and did not interfere with uh, the proper lipid metabolism. As you and I know, cholesterol is at the top of the pyramid, then it goes pregnenolone, uh, progesterone, cortisol, etc. So what is your belief about herbal intervention to help to modulate those heart patients along with uh, some good chelation therapy to remove heavy metals so you don't have oxidation? at the cholesterol level and using a plant-based whole foods diet and these multiple herbs to really kind of get to the source of the problem and heal and reverse cardiovascular disease. Is this probable? It's very probable. I do it every day. And again, um, I think the very first step in uh, doing this, uh, any type of repletion for someone is the development of where exactly they are. So I'm a very big proponent of a comprehensive blood type of evaluation, which looks at not just the cholesterol, uh, but certainly looks at the oxidized cholesterol, looks at the plaque two test, the homocysteine, uh, the apolipoprotein B, and it goes on and on. From that, I think at that point, we definitely can develop something. I'm not a big statin uh, person. Uh, I've never have been for many reasons. This is show is not about why statins aren't any good or anything like that or why they're problematic and that we could talk about again in some in some but, but can statins negatively affect the immune system which is our topic yeah um the best place i i find statins um is that it is a um a, a mitochondrial toxin 
Um, and, and so as a mitochondrial toxin, it actually uh, does a good job in certain cancers, believe it or not. It's a, as a repurposed drug. Now, okay. as for someone with a, um, a high um, uh, cholesterol, again, as I said earlier in the show, I don't believe cholesterol itself is the issue. I think it's those other components, uh, the tiny, tiny cholesterol, lipoprotein, little a, ApoB, things of that nature, which are the ones that cause the problems in creating abnormalities of that one cell lining that lines the entire 74,000 miles of the vasculature called the endothelial lining. So that to me is the, is the most important thing. The cholesterol itself dropping, it has consequences to it. Um, but Berber Bergamonte lycopene to modulate and metabolize cholesterol it, through its natural pathways, is that acceptable? It's very acceptable. I have a product I call Heart Health uh, and, I, and a blood sugar product, which has the berberine, but it has high doses of pantothene and things of that nature. And it's extremely successful. I have my patients pretty much, I can bring their cholesterol to a reasonable level and, and, and deal with many of the other issues that surround the uh, cholesterol's oxidation and becoming an issue. I don't like to focus just on total cholesterol. I never have. I don't think that ever was an issue. I don't think it's a total at all. It's the things that surround it that are the issue. And yes, the natural ways and eating properly and drinking enough fluid and all the other things, the exercise programs and the nutrients do make a huge difference. And then if you add to that, some of the intravenous therapies um, uh, that will help the um, uh, the a laying down or calcification of some of these oxidized cholesterols, it makes a huge, huge, huge difference. And yes, I think it's a very, very coherent and very practical way of going after heart disease. Typically in our profession, we're, we're, we're typically working after the fact, as you know, Nick, it's a bad habit we have. We wait for the incident and then we do something about it. Um, the thought process is if there's something, maybe then we go after it. It makes no sense from a metabolic perspective. What we should do is say, how does someone getting there? Where are they? What tests can we do to find out where are they on that line from having no heart disease to having a heart attack or stroke? Once we determine that, then we should intervene much earlier, be proactive with the things that you and I've been talking about. And that's a proper way of handling cardiovascular, general good health, cancer, et cetera, is to try to determine where someone is, become proactive about it, and then do the things that will make a difference for these individuals before the incident. Of course, we do work after the fact as well, but it's always better to do something before. That's true preventative medicine, and that's what we do. So, Dr. Gen, I wanted to weigh in on a top a comment you made uh, because what I love about you too, you're so smart and so sharp and quick that even though I've posed and it kind of frustrates some of my uh, guests, uh, multiple questions within one string uh, there, which you have to then unwind and we're doing our best to unwind during this show because in NLP, it causes uh, the unconscious mind to say, wait, he didn't answer, finish that answer. And then the mind is searching for it and then they pay attention better. So I know it's confusing. I know Tony Robbins does this as well uh, in an elegant way. I do it just subconsciously, but it, it comes out that way because I'm thinking of so many things that I got to ask Dr. Gen. I know you're short on time and I'm going to keep it to the point. I would love to have Dr. Neil Bernard, uh, uh, author of the book Hormone Balance, who uh, also, like me, has been plant-based during his entire 
career. And uh, Dr. Kim Williams, the former president of the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine, who are both very boisterous about being plant-based, uh, oil-free, sugar-free, uh, no animal products. Um, I, If I do concede, it would be like Dr. Kim would say, a little bit of fish, possibly sardines, maybe omegas, whatever, you know, some of the smaller fish that don't have as much mercury concentration and PCBs, which is another whole separate issue and problem, right? So the marine algae, you can get the omegas. But the point is that weighing in on this, the meat and dairy industry, uh, much like Big Pharma, has one of the biggest lobbyists. And they are only in the last five years, uh, as a backlash, publishing studies that tend to discredit uh, cholesterol and its issues. Don't throw out the baby with the bash wa bath wash, as we say, because I agree statins are not the solution. And yes, they may have altered the numbers. But when you look in the blue zones, those people longest lived have LDLs under 95, without exception. And I, I'd like you to show me one example in a blue zone that doesn't. Also, and of course, blue zones defined as people who have more centurions by percentage than any other population in the world, the longest lived people in the world, Sardinia, uh, Italy, uh, the uh, Seventh-day Adventists up the street from where I live here. I'm in uh, Orange County, Costa Mesa, California. But all these ex uh, exceptions show that you can, your body can produce all the cholesterol it needs without consuming it. The liver produces the, the most. Every cell of your body makes cholesterol. So it, it's a closed system. We don't have to have it. And as Pritikin once stated, the body only gets rid of 100 milligrams of cholesterol a day out of the bowel movements in the form of bile. And that's the brown color of the bowel movements. And we know that uh, we have a safety value. Unlike rabbits, which are pure vegetarians, I would argue, a human is uh, able to take in a little bit of animal and not so much of, of, of the heavy you know, cheese, butter, eggs, uh, etc. So that being said, is it possible? that we uh, originated in primitive times because we couldn't hunt down big animals. Uh, we didn't have fire to cook these animals a long time ago. And our teeth are more of a plant-based uh, structure like our grade eight, but the closest relative without exception is bonobos monkey, 97.76 uh, uh, genetic match. And they are almost completely plant-based. They eat a little bit of grubs that run around on the ground, but uh, the reality is that we can get all that we need. So backing, circling back around, is it possible that a plant-based individual uh, supplementing with vitamin D, omegas, uh, maybe some of the zinc, the vitamin B12, methylcobalamin and the various types. I know you're a, a genius about the different types of B vitamins that have different uh, effects, but can't we, um, if we choose either for religious reasons which and ethical, which I don't, my whole purpose is for health because I had a TIA, a stroke when I was 22 years old and having worked with Nathan Pritikin and hunting down for 44 years, the literature and teasing it out. I've come to the conclusion that I'm best, particularly at my age, to not add uh, cholesterol containing foods wherever possible. But is it possible we can get all the cholesterol we need without eating it? Uh, and is it possible that these high plant-based whole foods diet, that there are examples of genetic races or our cultural relatives that uh, do thrive and actually do better, much like Nehemiah Delgado, who's a bodybuilder, never tasted one piece of flesh or dairy in his entire life, and he's a world-class bodybuilder. As you can see the pictures behind me, Nehemiah Delgado's not related to me. My father's picture up on the, on the wall there, Nick Delgado. But I, I don't know. Can you unwind that a little bit, uh, Mitch? Oh, boy. Okay, yeah. I, the answer is yes, I think you can eat a whole plant-based diet and do the things like you were talking about, the B12, folic acid. Uh, you, the one you didn't mention, you probably would need taurine, which is an amino acid 
that's pretty much only in meat. You could add these, no question, you can add these things in and do well. Um, and do very well eating plant-based. I put sometimes patients on a plant-based diet all, but I, I still also uh, would say to people, and I'm not, I'm not, I don't really say that one diet is better than the other overall. I typically will put the diet that works best for the patient um, on their plate. But the one thing you should be aware that regardless of which diet you take, they all have pitfalls. Even a full-blown vegetarian diet as a major people, and I'm not talking about B12. I'm going to tell you something you've never heard right now. I'm ready. I have to do that. Um, that the that makes a whole bunch of sense. And of course, we already know like some of the simple ones. If you eat a lot of the um, um, uh, some plant-based diet, you may be eating too many gorgogens, which already I'm sure you already know that. But what you probably didn't know that if you are a big plant-based diet person, which you are you may have toxic doses of thallium in your system as well. And yeah. you probably- Can I so, do an IV chelation attached to that thallium or what's what's the antidote? You can, you can chelate out the thallium. And people say, well, where do you get thallium from? You get, <laughs> you get, you get thallium from- uh, and, and Our podcast also uploads to iTunes and Spotify. So we won't mention what we keep seeing passing in my background screen. <laughs> word <laughs> okay no, monkey see monkey do no see no no here <laughs> so anyway what happens is people don't realize that you know things are in the ground the root vegetables like kale and carrots and things that are coming from root are in our ground and our grounds have significant amounts of things like for example thallium you'll find i find my vegetarian particularly my plant-based people are Pretty much, they are they are have a significant amounts of thallium all the time. It's just another thing. In other well, words, what's the side effect of too much thallium? Uh, what, what are the symptoms? So my audience, because I have a big plant-based audience. Well, but you know, it's not just a symptom. You, you rarely get an over. It's like saying, what is a symptom of arsenic poisoning? You get knees lines, and you can get confused and all these other things and mercury. But you don't normally see. You don't see that in nature. It's the fact that none of these toxic metals belong in human nutrition excuse me, number one, but the other thing is that they actually affect the way the cell can do its work and produce its nutrients and, and produce the necessary adenosine triphosphate, which is our mechanism for producing energy. So we can't have these things in our diet. You know, the smallest amounts of lead have been shown to compromise length of life. Uh, we don't know all of them. And, you know, we know thallium from thallium stress tests. We use that as a one of the things to take a stress test, um, we use that particular um, substance, but it's also in the ground. Like, like aluminum, for example, is in the ground. It's the second or third most abundant um, uh, metal in the ground. So these, what we call toxic metals, we can't call them heavy metals because all of them are not, but these toxic metals do have an additive plus a sort of exponential effect. So you may have a little bit of lead, which you're going to have, you're going to have a little bit maybe of mercury because it may be in the tomatoes that you eat. You may have a little bit of cesium because if it's in the soil, you may have some catalytic because somewhere along the line you did an MRI with contrast. You're going to have some thallium. So the key again to all this is it's it's the diet is prime because we basically went there today. I agree. A plant-based diet is a very good diet. You can fill the gaps in most of the nutrients, but you also have to make sure or none of the toxic things that do come along with any one of these diets that you do, just like all the eating that you talked about earlier of the fats, 
and eating of all the uh, sugars, how they're toxic to the cells, so are these toxic metals. And you know that because you can look on your screen under a dark field microscopy and you can see that's happening as well. So uh, I just but tell- Dr. Gannon, you, you brought up something and there's some school of thought that even uh, aluminum, which they're using in uh, the shot, and I won't even use it because they're censoring us when we use the word, but the shot, uh, the V shot, I'll just abbreviate it to that, uh, that the, the, the aluminum in nature drawn up through plants has changed and they claim it's kind of organic, it's altered its uh, harmful effect versus a type that they're using as an antigen uh, to agitate the body, the immune system, such as you mentioned mercury and aluminum. It's completely different. Is that possible? Because I, I know Dr. Joel, um, uh, Joel Wallach, he claims the trace minerals that we have have all the elements, 94 different minerals and, and things. And it's, it's safe to take these trace minerals, but it's not safe to be injecting them and bypassing the normal portal system, which normally when we're infected with a virus, it comes through the nose, maybe even the little corners of the eye, uh, the tear ducts, or into the mouth, and, and the body has a whole system set up to handle that, but when you inject it, the body goes, whoa, wait a minute, and it overreacts, and that's where we're getting these storm, uh, cytokine storm, and all kinds of other scary things happening in tens of thousands of people now in a, the biggest human experiments, experiment in the history of mankind. Well, there again, there's a lot to be said about a particular whole food and the, for example, an apple may have 250 chemicals and if people always ask, can I take all these nutrients? I mean, will they, well, sometimes yes, they can compete, but most of the time, no, because the body's used to handling lots of things at one time. But there's a difference in taking, for example, the, to use your lycopene example that you have, which is a great um, carotenoid, it causes the red colors you see in apples and watermelon, et cetera. Um, and that the lycopene itself, for example, is a great product, but there's no question getting it in the actual element is different because the way it's presented to the body is different. Even that way, when you eat a whole apple, you're getting all the nutrients is the way God and nature presents them. So you get a much better deal by doing that. Uh, of course, we don't eat good enough, so we have to get them in nutrients eventually some way, somehow. But again, it's the same thing with anything else. If you eat them, and put them together as a whole. In this case, you're talking about the aluminum. There is aluminum pretty much in all these products. There's minerals in all these products that come from the ground. But if you tamper with them with pesticides or fungicides, their utilization is going to be much different, obviously. So like Roundup, uh, the, the toxic herbicide, it's causing maybe an over aggravation or suppression of the gut and the immune system, much like there's arsenic uh, particles uh, in in the air in New York. So the worst outbreaks were like in New York and, and Italy where they have horrible pollution in some of these cities, right? Yeah, well, you're depressing the immune system. Um, you know, when you talk about something like an, a fungicide, um, much like Roundup, we know for a fact that that will interfere with the bacteria's um, regeneration or reproductive system. It actually knocks out the bacteria. And you can say, what does that mean? Well, we're 10 times more alien. Uh, the gut is responsible for the production pretty much of 60, 70, 80% of the immune response. It's responsible for your neurotransmitters, et cetera. So if the gut itself, uh, bacteria are not working in synergy with us, um, and then you're not going to get that immune response that you're looking at. Again, it goes back to the same thing. You could be plant-based diet, 
There are many, many processes to it that are worthy of discussion. Is the plant-based diet organic? Is the plant-based diet also laced with, you know, crackers and cookies and cakes, which still puts into a plant? You know, you know there's, there's, there's a, there's a. Certain- be non-GMO, right? Look for non-GMO, like the products I create and the foods I eat. It has to be organic. It has to be non-GMO'd uh, without question, regardless of what you eat and put in your body. You have to even be so careful of every little thing, even the water that you drink, as let's say on this diet. Uh, I have, you know, I spent a lot of money in my house because to me it's important to have a complete house water system and then under the sink another four tank water system. Why? Because if it's chlorinated, what does chlorine do in my pool? It's a haloid. It's a haloid. It competes with thyroid too, right? Of course. So it bothers the thyroid. It kills the bacteria. All the good bacteria with one glass of water that comes with a chlorination in it, boom, it's gone. So there are so many factors. And again, it's you have to to start somewhere. You start with, of course, diet and lifestyle, which we did when it comes to the immune system. I think um, in my point, from a summary point of view, you know, eating good foods, uh, organic um, oils on the short end, but keeping them refrigerator, make sure they're organic to begin with, uh, keeping the carbohydrates to a minimum. If you're going to eat meat. The simple carbohydrates, the simple. Simples, yeah, keep them out. Um, Have the, you know, have the, you know, the complex, you know, the fruits, the vegetables, of course, um, and organic wise. Uh, Drink pure water, make sure your water doesn't, you know, is if you can't afford, you should have a, a reverse osmosis or some sort of water system in your house. And or, add back trace minerals. And put the trace minerals into it. And, and these are the things. And if we do that to start, we're on the right track of keeping the immune system healthy. Remember, all these viruses and things we're handled. We just everyone just thinks of one virus uh, uh, currently, but there are million viruses that we probably have detected. We breathe them in, we get them every day, regardless of what we do or how we do it. And our innate immune system, our frontline immune system, when it's healthy, will remove these. It does all the time. Why is it I can go into a room with a cold uh, that I can sneeze, I've got the cold, 10 people in the room get it and 10 don't because their innate immune system is healthy. The key is keep your frontline immune system healthy then these viruses will be less able to take hold and do any good. Take a look at your blood, make sure your blood basically stays healthy. That's how you do it, by eating properly, exercising, drinking the water, and of course, taking the proper nutrients. I know we're at the end of our time. And outdoor sun, outdoor sun. And plenty of that. And when you get outdoor sun, I'll add to that, because that's a great point, um, Nick, which is, when you get outdoor sun, you should have at least three quarters of your body exposed to the sun at you know a high noon part of the day, and do not shower within 12 hours after that because you will wash off the change that the sun does to the oils in your skin. And how do you get good oils? Make sure you're getting those essential fatty acids. Nick likes to rub them on. I already mentioned I like to rub them on with my wife, and you do what you please, but anyway, that's how it goes. And my book for Valentine's Day, Mastering Love, Sex, and Intimacy, endorsed by Dr. John Gray. You and I agree the one way to live long and healthy is to get laid every day. Well, you said it much nicer than me, but my, I'm going to end with my, uh, uh, with my, uh, um, with my particular, uh, I guess my lo- my logo. What my my saying is, it's always has been, as you know, which is you. Everybody wants to do the following. I always say you want to look good. You want to feel good and you want to have great sex. Those are the things. 
that keep us alive and keep us smiling and keep us happy. Make yourself happy, folks. Say prayers, become spiritual, eat the right way, and love and love hard. God bless you, everybody. Again, you are amazing. My favorite show ever. I say that without hesitation, and we're going to do this again. All right, Dr. Gen? You uh, be well. I know you're delayed for your conference. Thank you for holding over. Uh, much appreciated. Sending love and people. Uh, thanks, uh, Dr. Gen. Uh, how do we find you? And let's do some future shows together. All right. Uh, I, I'm going to send you some examples of Doc Nutrient products. I'm going to send you that book, Blood Doesn't Lie, that I wrote. Uh, that's a five-star review on Amazon right now. A lot of excitement going there. But uh, how, how, what website do you like to reference? Give me one good one. A good reference uh, site which you um, can look at is I M Consult. So it's I is in Island, M is in Mitchell. The word Consult, C O N S U L T dot U S. So it's I M Consult, one word dot U S. Wow. Uh, I, I am. I misspelled. I I am not. Uh... I the word letter I. Uh -huh. The N as in Mitchell, and then oh. keep going the word consult, C-O-N-S-U-L-T, dot U-S. I am consult, dot U-S. Okay, so it's not I am, it's I'm, like I'm. I, like I, I am consult. Oh, I, what, what does it stand for, I am? I, for my wife, Irina, who's a nurse practitioner, my partner in, in, you know, all the trainings we do for physicians and seeing patients and M for Mitchell and the word consult, Irina and Mitchell consult, basically, dot US. Is this it right here, uh, Dr. Gen? It's it. See, look good, feel good, have great sex. <laughs> I love it. Look good, feel good, have great sex. You and I are so similar in, in our belief philosophy and the quality of life is largely dependent on the quality of our relationship, not just with uh, uh, our significant other, but with our kids, our family, and now our extended family who's listening to this show. Thank you so much, Dr. Again, Dr. Nick Delgado saying, we love you. Check out nickdelgado.com for coaching eligibility. We have open enrollment and go to nickdelgado.com forward slash coaching, where you're going to find out about the latest seven pillars that I've created over my 44 year career to, uh, really take people to the next level. It's uh, it's a pleasure because, you know, people need coaching and guidance. And in this show alone, we covered some controversial topics that to you and I are second nature, but it took you and I uh, more than four decades to really get clear about how to experience optimum health and really the levels of coaching, hormones, detoxification, fitness, nutrition, uh, behavioral modification with neuro neuro reprogramming sleep we didn't even mention sleep for the immune system but please uh, drop in and take a click on this uh, video and you'll learn all about our coaching program is sleep important dr again in final uh, summary <laughs> you know and it's, it's final summary 
uh, six to eight hours, sleep less than six hours, sleep more than eight. There are very good studies on both sides of that fence that show your immune system does not work as well. Just remember, we need melatonin. It's produced during our sleep hours if the rooms start. Women who have low melatonin have 600 times more breast cancer, a lot more percentage, I don't know the exact, in prostate as well. Again, we have so much to talk about that we could talk for 16 days and never be done. But God bless everyone. Again, thank you so much for doing this and having me here. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. That was an amazing show. And now I want to put it all together for you. How do you locate these incredible natural herbs, organic, the best, designed to help you to improve your hormonal balance, give you energy, help you to look and feel great? DocNutrients.com. This is our sponsor. There is a special quiz. Please take the immune system quiz, and it's going to give you some incredible feedback and ideas about how to strengthen your immune system during these troubling times. Be well. It's 2021 and we're here to support you.